so thankful for that special music. This is Valentine's Day, the 14th of February, and there again we hope that you are celebrating that as a wonderful day that says that you have received love and that you have given love and are giving love to those uh, that are important in your life, but even those you don't know very well, that you show your love towards them as well. I want to read a passage of scripture that Chris has alluded to in Matthew 22, verses 1 through 14. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. And then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fattened cattle have been butchered, and everyone is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. And the king was enraged, and he sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. And then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? And the man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth For many are invited, but few are chosen. May God bless the reading and the hearing and the understanding this precious and holy word. I don't know if you've ever been invited to a surprise birthday party or anniversary party or some other kind of event. And you were told to keep it quiet and to keep it secret. And then you may have been with other folks and somebody sort of nudged up to you and whispered in your ear, are you invited to John's birthday party? And you were able to answer yes and said, well, we'll see you there. But then somebody overheard the conversation. What did you say about birthday party for John? And They weren't invited. And you felt bad about that. You were invited and glad that you were and glad you were going, but they weren't. They felt left out. They felt excluded. Everybody in God's world and His kingdom is invited to the party. And it's important that we remember that as we read this passage of Scripture, as we think about this Valentine's Day, as we think about who God is in His true character that each one of us is invited to come and be a part of the kingdom, and as we hear in this parable, to be a part of this great party that we will have.
As I see this passage, I see that the kingdom of God should be just as joyful as a wedding uh, event and its reception should be. In verse 2, Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. A few years ago, when I went to Palestine, to the Holy Land, we stayed a couple nights in Bethlehem. And one night, Teresa and I were just walking around the halls, and we heard this noise, and there, sort of in the reception area, you could look down from where we were standing, and you could see they were going to have this wedding. Well, it was different from any wedding I had ever seen. Boy, they had a big event there in that reception hall. They danced around the cannons. They took them off privately. They were able to rejoice and they were able to celebrate it. They were able to have a big time. It was sort of a roof raiser. Well, that's what happened in ancient Palestine. That's what happened in this event. For these people would come together and have a big meal that night and then they would have the ceremony and then they would uh, put them uh, in a big chariot and sometimes carry them off under a canopy in the torchlight to the home in which they were going to stay. And it didn't end there for 24-7 uh, for many days, sometimes as long as a week, that they would come and celebrate this wedding that had taken place, even in the poverty-stricken society in which they were sometimes living. It was extravagant joy that they experienced. Jesus compared the kingdom of God to a wedding party in order to make the point that the kingdom of God is joy unlimited. That we as Christians should be the most joyful people in all the world. We have more to celebrate. We have more to have happiness and joy in our heart about than any group of people, right? And we should come with that each day that we face and each time we come together to be able to worship the Lord and each event that we participate in in ministry that we should come with great joy because we're celebrating what God has already done in our lives and what He's going to continue to do. Life cannot deliver any heartache or tragedy that we do not find God's grace in the very midst of it. And God is going to have the final word when this world is all over. With all the division and all the disgust and all the turmoil and all the chaos, God is going to have the final word when everything is finished. Now that's worth celebrating. But we don't always look like a people of joy, do we? Some congregations look like they have just received next year's tax notices. They're not very happy. The great British preacher Charles Spurgeon once said, where you talk about heaven, uh, let your face light up with that heavenly glory. In other words, we need to match our countenance with what's going on inside of our hearts and our very spirit. And we need to be able to illuminate that wherever we are, that people would see that, that we are people of joy. We should be able 
to come to church with a rippling joy. We are constantly adding to our number those that God uh, has come to and they have experienced His love and His unfailing grace. Folks who are teenagers may have low self-esteem, but they've learned at church, they've learned by being in the community of believers that they are of worth, that they've been bought with a price through Jesus Christ, and they need to feel good about who they are because they're in Christ. Those widowers, those who have lost their loved ones, sometimes after many, many years of marriage, they come deflated so often, discouraged and depressed. And yet, whatever they may be experiencing, as they trust in God and His grace, He's able to pull them out of that and oftentimes uh, teaches them to smile again. Do you hear what I'm saying? Our joy should find expression in our warmth towards one another. And this place that we call church, and this place that we call our place that we worship the Lord, we should find it being a warm and embracing place. A social scientist in California, has written this, that everyone needs four hugs a day for survival, eight hugs a day for maintenance, and 12 hugs a day for growth. Well, before the coronavirus, I think that may be a little bit of an overstatement. (laughs) I don't know that we want to do it quite that much, even if the virus wasn't around. But it's making a point. It's making a point that we, particularly as a people of faith, that we need to embrace one another with warmth and dignity and care and concern. And that we need, whether we literally are hugging someone or shaking their hands and we may not be able to touch them, but we can touch them with our spirit and let them know how delighted we are that we have fellowship one with the other. Here at this church, we should just beam with radiance of God's love on our faces. I think this passage says something else that I've already said. That everyone is invited by God to join the party, to experience His love. In this parable, Jesus invited the guests to come to the wedding. Some of them turned Him down. As a matter of fact, some of them uh, even ridiculed, and it says that the servants who went to send the message were even killed, but the king got so angry that he went and destroyed those people and the city. But then he said, go into the streets and highways and byways and invite anybody who will come. That's an invitation for other people. You don't have to have a certain social status. You don't have to come from the right family. You don't have to work in the right place. But everybody is invited to come to this wedding celebration, this party that we're getting ready to have. A few years ago, a story was experienced and told by Tony Capallo. You may know who he is. He's a creative sociologist who traveled at that time to Honolulu, Hawaii. He was there for a speaking engagement. He flew from Pennsylvania to Hawaii, and he had a little bit jet lag, and he was up at 3 a.m. in the morning 
and decided he'd go to this donut uh, shop that was open at 3 o'clock in the morning. And while he was in there getting uh, something to eat and drink and reading the paper, at 3 a.m. in came a group of women of questionable character. And they were all lively and excited And one of them sat down beside of him and she said to her friends, tomorrow's my birthday. I'm going to be 39. And the other one said, well, what do you want us to do? To have a birthday party for you? She said, why start now? I've never had one in my entire life. And they left out. Tony asked the owner to come to him for just a moment. He said, do those women come in here every night? He said, yeah, about the same time every night. And the owner said, I hope they weren't bothering you. He said, no, they weren't bothering me, but I have an idea. The lady that was sitting right beside me, it's her birthday tomorrow, and what I heard her say is she had never had a birthday party in her life. I was wondering if you would so be it that we would have a birthday party for her tomorrow morning at 3 a.m. again. And he called his wife out, the owner, and said, would you cook a cake for her? And she said, oh, yes. And Tony was there decorating the place with crepe paper and a big sign. Her name was Agnes, and he wrote on it, Happy Birthday, Agnes. 3 a.m. Here they come in. As Agnes came in, the word had gotten around and there was more people in that diner than it had been in a long time. They had heard that Agnes was having a birthday party. They began to sing happy birthday to her. And her eyes began to water up with emotion. And then she couldn't control it anymore. She just cried in a way that she hadn't cried in a long time. And after the party was about to end, Tony said, I wonder if I could have a prayer for you, Agnes, and the rest of you ladies. Tony Capallo, there in that diner, had a prayer for Agnes on her birthday and the rest of those ladies And they left out, and the owner said, I didn't know you was a preacher. Where are you a preacher? And he said, this is just what came to me. I belong to a church that throws birthday parties for questionable folk. The first miracle took place at a wedding where Jesus turned the water into wine. Notorious sinners loved to be around him. And while the solemnly pious could not relate to who he was about, those lonely rejects who didn't usually get invited to the parties took to him with excitement. We have heard one another say this, that we are supposed to hate the sin but love the sinners, remembering that all of us are sinners saved by God's grace. Do you agree? Love has always been a two-edged sword, especially Christian love. 
all of us have been in relationships where we know that when we love, we are vulnerable, that we risk who we are, that we are able to put on the line a piece of us that could be hurt. As we read that story by Shakespeare of Romeo and Juliet, we know the perils of being in love with the wrong or socially unaccepted person. All of us know how risky it is to love someone, to really care someone, to put ourselves out on the line, to allow that person to change us, to shape us, to mold us. We know what that's like, don't we? But even more risky than romantic love is what Christians call that agape love, a love for brotherhood and sisterhood, humans bonded together with a kind of love that rises, listen, that rises above disagreements and differences of all kinds and even our philosophy of living. Today marks the celebration of Valentinus of Rome. St. Valentine, we call him. St. Valentine was a physician, and he's also a member of the clergy. During that Roman Empire, he was a person that would often pull people together in an act of love and marriage. He was sort of the patron saint of love and marriage. He was best known for his ministry, for the persecuted Christians, allowing them sometimes to marry in secret. Emperor Claudius, he banned marriages during wartime to encourage those men to go to war. But Valentine was also known as a healer, a person who would comfort the sick. He was killed and martyred on February the 14th in the year of 2070 at the age of 44. One interesting story about Valentine was his healing of the aristocratic daughter while he was in custody, while he was arrested. And the jailer said to him, if you could heal my stepdaughter who is blind, then I would convert over to your Christianity. And so, Valentinus, he put his hands upon the little girl's face and he prayed, Lord Jesus, enlighten your handmaid because you are God, the true light. And that girl regained sight and he was converted and baptized, and it made the emperor so mad that he ordered that all of those people would be executed. Love, as we know it, rises even above our fear. For fear is always, I believe, the source of division between people. We don't trust them. They don't think the way that we think. We're fearful they're going to get an edge on us. Fear drives uh, for power in our life and prestige. But love, it quietens all of that. We are not trying to get some kind of status through competition, but fear drives avoidance and bias of people with different opinions to the sidelines. And it causes us not to be in the game of life. Fear of loss, fear of change, Fear of others through envy and jealousy and ego are almost always responsible for our inability 
to love others on a deep, universal basis. That is, Jesus showed us from His own ministry. True love. True love comes from God. If we are lovers of humanity, we must love God. We must have a loving relationship with Him. And you see, because we have this loving relationship with Him, that love flows out from us. We can't help but do it. We don't have to just talk about it. We've experienced. What happens to you when you experience love? I hope it makes you more loving. God wants to love you for who you are. He wants us to have salvation by His grace. He wants us to exude that love wherever we are and whatever we're doing. I hope His Spirit stops us in our very tracks when we are sowing those seeds of division instead of those seeds of love. Christian love is transforming and transfiguring. The love of Jesus, the sacrificial grace of Jesus changes us in ways that are powerful and intrinsic. We become spiritually strong and we become loving and healing vehicles of God's salvation and of His grace. As His disciples... All of us, all of us are meant to be healers, lovers of God's people, holy physicians of God's grace and His compassion. We comfort the ill. We feed the hungry. We befriend the lonely. We invite those who are different from ourselves. Yes, those who are even different than our thinking than what we have. We love the unlovable. One of my stories that I think is one of my favorites that I've heard that touches my heart. And I think it speaks to this passage and it speaks to who we need to be as people of faith in God is a simple story that was found in Guidepost magazine by a person by the name of Drew Duke. She recalls it from her childhood when she was in the second grade. I don't know how it was when you was growing up, but we used to bring those Valentines to school. Did you bring those and you could put them in a basket or you put them in a box? Well, that's the way it was for her. And the teacher said, we're going to put this box with a little slit in it and you can bring your Valentines and you can put them in that box and we'll hand them out on Valentine's Day. Drew's mother brought her 35. One for each kid in the class and a few to even spare. But Drew said, Mama, I don't need all of those Valentines. I only need four. I really have only four close friends, and you can take the rest of those back home. And so Drew took those, and she filled those out and put those in the box, and Valentine's Day came. And one person was given the responsibility of handing all those valentines out. And they started calling out kids' names. And some of the kids were getting a lot of valentines. Matter of fact, Drew said she got a lot. She's pretty popular in her class. 
There's a little girl in front of her, though, that wasn't getting any Valentines. She had already started dropping her head down. You can imagine that, can't you? In a classroom of kids. And one name after the other being called. But your name is not called. But then finally this little girl who was in front of her, her name was called. And she lifted up her head. And she opened that one valentine that she received. And here's what it said. Happy Valentine's Day. Your secret admirer. Drew looked over her shoulder and saw what it said, and she recognized the handwriting. It was the handwriting of her mother. The only Valentine that that little girl received that year. Drew learn from her mother about God's all-inclusive love. Her mother had more wisdom, of course, than this second grader had had to show love to those she didn't even really know, but she had a suspicion there may be some kids in that class that wouldn't receive a Valentine, didn't she? She wanted all of them to be invited to the party. Jesus Christ wants each one of us to be invited to the party. We show our love to all of mankind, to all kinds of people, people, people who are like us. Listen to me. People who are different from us and sometimes those who are left out. He calls each of us to be givers of love as we have been recipients of his love. You are invited to the party today. But we are also called to be people who give our love. Amen. As you join me in a closing prayer, let me say I'm delighted that you've been with us. And I hope that we really consider this whole issue of what it means to be recipients of God's love and givers of God's love. And maybe there's somebody that's on the fringes today that don't know about God's love. He wants us to be vehicles to be used by him to give it to a world that is hurting and lost and struggling. God wants you to have his love. He invites you by invitation, by personal invitation, to come to the party on this day. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we're so glad that you loved us so much that you invite each one of us, that we don't do enough to be able to have that invitation approved by you, but you give it as an act of grace, and because 
We're a human being who is living in this world, sometimes a difficult world. So each person can come to know you as their personal Lord and Savior, that we can live this life that we have here abundantly and that we can also live eternally with you. Lord, help us to not be selfish as you give love to us, as others give love to us. May we multiply that love and may we give it to others around us who don't always deserve it but need it. Change us, O Lord. Transform us. Make us in the new people, new creatures. And we make this prayer in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. May God bless you. Stay safe and healthy. If we can help you in any possible way, please let us know at the church. We do pray for you. We are concerned about you. We hope to be ministers together. Continue to express your love on this day and the days ahead that we are witnesses for Jesus Christ. May God bless you.